Hello, hello. This is Shay Money Tracy, and you are listening to the Shay Tracy Podcast. So, for all of those of you who are brand new to me, my name is Shay Money Tracy, and I am the host of this podcast. And this particular episode is all about focusing on the things that you care to see in your child's behavior, rather than focusing on the things that you want them to stop. So, how did we get here? Let me just tell you, I am a eight-year educator. I am a nine-year mom. It'll be 10 years this year because my oldest is going to be turning 10. What? And I came upon this journey just because um, I was a mom of at my, at this time, four-year-old son who had just been diagnosed with ADHD. And I had just had my second son um, at that time. And I had entered into a mod severe classroom working exclusively with students who had uh, moderate to severe autism. Some, some of the students were nonverbal. Uh, there were some who had extreme conduct behaviors and there were some others who simply didn't have the capacity to fully understand uh, their full environment walking around in the 12 year old bodies that they had with the cognition of a two and a three year old. So I have seen a great deal of things. And in my current position, my current placement as an educator, I am in an emotional and behavioral disturbance classroom. And my journey as a parent coach began all those years ago, back in 2014, as a mod severe teacher. And I'm currently operating in that same space, working in my classroom with parents and guardians and um, all those dynamics, working with students who have emotional and behavioral disturbances. So when I say you have seen it, <laughs> I have seen a grand scope of things. And um, what I often what I often hear from parents, especially in the space of them trying to tailor and change their child's behavior, is um, a mixture of things between they don't seem to understand. Uh, I don't think that's gonna work. And uh, yeah, we tried it, but it went something like this. So my current clients, I'm working with a few parents who, again, have children who are engaging in some behaviors that are extremely problematic, especially for their home life. And I created this podcast as a place for me to share some of those amazing things that I'm dealing with and how I'm managing in my classroom, in my own home with my own children and with my clients. So package all that up. And what do you get? You get that. Shay Tracy podcast, right? So that's why you're listening today. Now, this particular episode is focusing on the things that you want to see instead of the things that you care not to, right? And I know that seems somewhat redundant because in your mind, and of course, in a lot of minds of parents, what we often think we're doing is that we're pointing out uh, the behaviors that we want to stop. And in doing that, it's hoping that they're going to stop those behaviors. But quite honestly, it works in the opposite because everything you pay attention to, it grows. It simply grows. So if you're paying attention to the running, if you're paying attention to the hitting, if you're paying attention to the biting, if you're paying attention to the arguing, if you're paying attention to the tantrums, to the blow-ups, to the meltdowns, if anything, what we're doing is we're 
reinforcing and cultivating and communicating to our child that this is the best way for you to get me is if you engage like this, right? So often um, it's really difficult to point out the things that you want to see because in your mind you're going, finally, (laughs) you get it. You're doing the thing. You're sitting down. That's so good. And what happens is we're saying it in our mind, but we're not opening our mouths to say it. So I'm here to help you make that switch. So we don't comment, we don't talk about, we don't mention when they are engaging in the behaviors that we do not care to see. The behaviors we don't care to see are the behaviors that we are going to intentionally ignore. All right, we're gonna intentionally ignore them. And let me tell you why, all right? So I need you to imagine, And I think it works best when you think of a particular behavior, right? I think I want you to imagine that your kid is sitting crazily in their seat, right? Sitting crazily in their seat. And every time you notice your child sitting up or like getting ready to play in their chair, they're ready to put their foot someplace that doesn't go, you automatically comment and say, sit appropriately. And even in saying what we care to see in that behavior, we're still paying attention to when they're not sitting appropriately. So because we're commenting when they're not sitting appropriately, because we're mentioning the thing that we want them to do, even in the moment that they're not doing it, what we're telling them, what they're receiving is, I'm going to have someone talk to me the moment I do this. The moment I start doing this, I get mom's attention. The moment I start doing this, I get to get out of whatever it is, right? So sometimes it may not be your child playing in their chair. Maybe it might be your child throwing a tantrum in the midst of homework. And the moment they start to rev up, we give them attention to that behavior. And in giving attention to that behavior, we're subconsciously communicating that this is the behavior that we will respond to. And why you don't want to do that, because what you want to do instead is you want them to engage in the behavior you actually want them to do. So the moment you see your child sitting so nicely in their chair is when you say, great job sitting nicely in your chair. Because us commenting on the thing that they're actually doing, the thing that we want them to do, is going to get them to do it more. And they're going to be reinforced by, one, getting our attention the moment they do the behavior that they we want to see from them. And it also is communicating to them that that other behavior of not sitting politely in my chair, of throwing that tantrum during my homework, That doesn't get the attention that I want. That doesn't give me the avoidance that I want. That doesn't give me the escape that I want. That doesn't get me the thing that I want because what I actually want is blank. So let me unpack that some more. So in my classroom, I'm working with students and for the longest time, I've been pushing non-negotiables. So for you to operate and to receive this thing, You have to make sure you don't engage in blank, 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 and blank. And the four non-negotiables we have in our classroom um, is no physical aggression, no out of area, uh, 
no bullying <laughs> and no stealing, right? So those are our four. And there's another that for whatever reason escapes me. No property destruction. Sorry about that. And no property destruction. So if you don't engage in these things, then you, one, get to go to store. You also get Fun Friday. And you get that brag pass about being able to have him maintained for the course of our week. So it is really a big deal in our class, especially amongst fifth and sixth graders. Like they're still enforced by the outside. They're still reinforced by adults. They're still you know, wanting to make each other proud. They're wanting to be cool amongst their friends. So this is a really great gimme. And I had to stop. And let me tell you why. I had to stop focusing on the non-negotiable because what I saw in their behavior was that they would toe the line and do everything else except for those things. So they didn't engage in the physical aggression. They didn't engage in the hitting. And that was wonderful. But the reason for not engaging in it was them trying to escape from the punishment of not getting Fun Friday, not getting store, not getting that brag tag, right? So what I realized in what I was trying to do was, again, refrain them from engaging in these behaviors. And guess what? It worked. It really, really worked. But in terms of it being sustainable, it was not. And this is why. They so much so attached those behaviors to the punishment that they didn't see the fruit of all the work that they were doing and being able to maintain. So, right, not engaging in physical aggression just simply means that you're doing using all of your coping skills not to hit somebody, not to aggress someone. You're using all your reasoning skills not to steal. You're using all your communication skills not to leave the classroom without attend without um, us knowing where you're going. So they're not eloping, <laughs> they're not bullying, but they're also not coping. <laughs> they're not communicating their wants and needs. They're not being flexible or adaptable. They're not being able to do all the other real skills that I want them to do because they're so busy on focusing on what not to do. So when we focus on what not to do, what we really are doing is we're taking their focus away from the things they should actually be doing. So if your child, for instance, um, is hitting or tantruming, et cetera, and we're focusing so much, heavily so, on the tantrum, what we're really doing and what we're really communicating is this is the best way for you to get me. This is the best way for you to get the thing that you're after. When really what we want them to do is communicate better. We want them to communicate better. We want them to cope better with frustration and changes. And we want them to be able to reason within themselves about what's the right thing to do in this situation. But if we focus solely on the thing that we don't wanna see, then we take away from their ability to do all of those things because we're reinforcing them not doing that one thing, but we're not giving them the skills or the will to do anything else. So focus on what you care to see. I know that that seems like, <laughs> It seems redundant because 
if they're engaged in something that's going to be harmful to themselves, if they're engaged in something that's hurting other people, then we most certainly want to step in and interfere, right? So that we can stop the situation from escalating. But what we're also saying, even in that, is that I'm reinforcing you not having those skills to manage the situation better, to cope better, to navigate without me because I'm enforcing or reinforcing your ability or your need to depend on me, right? So as a parent, our goal then is to make it so that they don't need us for those small, minute day-to-day interactions that they're able to operate independently, they're able to do so, that they have their own voice of reason in our head and they're not constantly waiting for our direction to do that. And what we end up doing whenever we move away from and focus solely on just stating um, the negative behavior that we're seeing is we're not giving them the actual positive skill that they need to use. And that is truly problematic. That's really difficult, right? So even in the midst of that, I think the first thing that every parent needs to know is that you need to release from your vocabulary, the words don't and no. And it seems like, what? Well, then what should I say? So, and I've talked about it and I've touched on it before in my previous episodes about like, rather than speaking in the negative connotation, you want to speak towards the affirmative. You want to speak towards the positive. Instead of saying, don't run, we want to say walk. Instead of saying, don't jump on the couch, we want to say, sit nicely on the couch. Instead of saying, no, you can't have, we change that now and we say, well, right now isn't a good time. We can do so later. But removing the don't, removing the no, it helps to create um, a better dynamic between the two of you because prior to that, you feel that tension and that power struggle of them wanting to do something and pushing a back pushing back against you who's not able to do that thing, right? So they're testing their boundaries. They're testing your limits. And in the same space, they're trying to identify where that line is. So rather than us pushing firmly back and enforcing ourselves and enforcing our will, we want to pivot and get them to do so and move accordingly on their own. And we can do that by, again, telling them the thing that we want them to do, focusing on the behavior we want them to have, focusing on the language we want them to use instead of, a, instead of paying attention to the things that we would hope they would refrain from, right? So in that, in stating the expectations, we're keeping it positive and we have to release the idea of I identify the marker of what good behavior is. And I'm taking that into consideration for a particular client of mine who is constantly on guard, right? Every interaction with this child um, is really just a test of limits. And oftentimes what he's waiting to hear is a critique um, or a negative thought coming from anyone. So he's very guarded and he's very defensive. And if anything, I think that it's rooted in how he believes social interactions are coming to him. But oftentimes there's very little malice or there's no ill intention 
and what we're trying to say. It's just how it's being received. And for this particular child, and I'm relaying it to all parents here, is I've noticed that he is often waiting on an affirmative praise from an adult outside of himself. He needs that language for him to feel as if he's being successful because he doesn't have a marker for himself on what success is. And what we have to do as the adult is release what does it mean to be good so that they can create a definition for themselves, right? Because we often tie very closely together. You are the things that you do. And it's really difficult for a child who is engaging in uh, misbehavior to think of themselves as anything but bad because they're quote unquote controlled or defined by their behavior. And while that would work very well <laughs> in today's society and in our world, because we very blatantly tell others that you are what you do, right? And we define you by your actions and your words don't mean very much. And the things that you say don't mean very much. And the things that you say you believe don't mean very much because we're focused solely on what you do before a kid who misbehaves or engages in bad behavior, like, are we sending the message that they're only bad? Or are they a kid that made a bad decision, right? Are they a kid who made a bad choice? And I think that giving them the space and the time and the line to create what they decide is good helps them to then move on about their day not waiting for an adult to come in, mom to come in, a teacher to come in, a staff member to come in and tell them, you're doing great. <laughs> so it's twofold, right? It's twofold. Because in addition to us not wanting to point out all the negative and the negative and the negative that they're doing and focus solely on praising them when they're doing good, I think it's equally just as important in giving them the praise when they're doing good, giving them their own meter or measure of success so that they know too, I'm doing good. I'm doing a great job. And that may be difficult because I know there are some adults walking around waiting for someone to tell them that they're doing good. But if we have our own personal measure of success, I know I'm having a good day because I did this and this and this, and this didn't happen and this didn't happen. So I'm, I'm on par. I'm doing great. And we have to give that same skill on to our children so that they understand that they're having a good day. They understand that they're doing their best. They understand that they are meeting their own measure of success. But more folks, so if I can complicate the complication, let me further complicate it. That is not to say that we are to abandon all expectations as a parent. That is not what I'm saying at all. As a parent, we most certainly must have a measure of success. We most certainly must have a standard for them to build upon, right? So we know like your room is clean when this has happened. You are officially clean when this has happened. Your homework is done when this has happened. There still has to be standards maintained, but in terms of a child knowing that they have done their best 
we have to help them define what that looks like for themselves so that they can move about the world much more confidently. So children who have higher confidence, right? They, again, are better behaved. It's when you feel like you're missing something, like you're lacking something, that uh, there, there's more for there to be learned and to be gained. Do we see this misbehavior and this miscalculation and the missteps with our children? So as a parent, I challenge you most certainly to one, <laughs> abandon don't know from your vocabulary, especially when it comes to helping your child improve their behavior. In the same sense, too, I want you to focus solely on the things that you want to see, the behaviors that you want to see. So we're going to ignore the behaviors we don't, and we're going to acknowledge the behaviors that we want to see. Three, we're going to set our expectations, and we're going to focus on them in a positive way. You have to keep your room clean. You have to keep your hands to yourself. Not, you can't have a messy room. You don't hit people, right? We're going to state them in the positive. Four, I want you to help your child create their own standard for success. And we have to have a quick bullet list of for them to refer to on their own. What do you think it means for your room to be clean? What do you think it means for your homework to be done? What do you think it means for you to be nice to your brother or sister? What does it look like for you to, and that way they can go through their own checklist. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? I'm doing a good job. So that they can affirm themselves, right? So that they can affirm themselves. And in the midst of that, five, you want to make sure you're holding on to your standards. This does not mean you get to abandon or abandon um, <laughs> to release all expectations. No one is requiring that from you. I'm not encouraging you to do that. Uh, I know that we sometimes have really high expectations for our children. And I think some of that may need to be modified. And if we are gonna keep those high expectations, then most certainly we just have to give them the supports to reach them, right? So we give them the skills, we give them the accommodations, we make it so that they're able to reach those high expectations that we have for them. And we do that in a way that's truly meaningful. And then grand finale, it's not enough to say it, or I'm sorry, it's not enough to repeat it. You have to re-say it. What does that mean? So what I often hear from parents is that I told them five times not to do blank. I told them they better do la la la, right? And saying the same thing <laughs> over and over is repeating it. But re-saying it is you're saying it, but you're saying it differently. So make sure you walk through the house. Keep your feet <laughs> from moving quickly through the floor. We don't wanna trip one foot at a time. Make sure you walk slowly, like, so not just saying, walk through the house, walk through the house, walk through the house, walk, we have to abandon that. Because again, if they didn't hear it the first time, they probably didn't hear it the second time, they for sure aren't gonna hear it the third time because something isn't clicking. 
And saying it over doesn't mean that they're understanding it any better. And I know that that's often the confusion. You want to say it and like repeat it and then repeat it. But let's just abandon that at least for the month of January and tell me how it goes, okay? So in the show notes below, I still have the links to the Comp Communication Scripts ebook available to every single parent absolutely free. It's a wonderful tool for you to download. And there's also the Problem Proof Parenting Behavior Program, parenting program for parents who have children who engage in problematic behaviors. Those links are available down below. Uh, I'm beginning a parenting style quiz, and I'm really curious to see whether or not you guys would be interested in having one of those so you can identify your best style parenting or what your style of parenting is. So if you're truly interested in that, then by all means, please uh, message me so that I can get that information because I'm only going to make it if you guys really want it because if you don't want it, I'm not going to make it. All right. But I hope uh, that this Uh, episode was helpful to you please be sure to share with another mommy friend who you know will greatly benefit from it but until next time knowing better is doing better so here's to doing better talk to you soon